This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Hey there, thanks for being with us. Absolutely an enjoyable day on the program. Some really great conversations. Do check them out, please, via the podcast or the repeat of the show at 5 p.m. Eastern. So, Brock, what is the favorite barbecue sauce? Sweet or spicy hot? Sweet. I thought Sweet. so. You know, I, I just if I, if I may quickly tell you that I tried something at the CNE, which my wife enjoyed, but it was a pulled pork... Uh, sandwich it, smothered in between a Krispy Kreme donut, and for me, it was absolutely hold, hold disgusting. It, hold it. Now, come disgusting. on, are disgusting. Are you ser- What kind of Krispy Kreme? The the original. Okay, there was two of them, and and you had this. It was the sandwich was made out of so where the bread would be was Krispy yes. Kreme donut. That's correct, and then in the middle was pulled pork sandwich, and my wife loved it, and I was just like, that is the grossest concoction of a pulled pork Krispy Kreme donut I have ever tasted. It was now, that should disgusting. be a game on Price is Right, where you see the gauge just going up and up and up as you eat it. Wow. Folks, we'd like to uh, take some time to visit with Danielle McLaughlin. We do this on Mondays. We call the segment Know Your Rights. Danielle brings a lot of topics for us to talk about, and today, a very important one, so let's bring her in. Let's examine questions that can't be answered by a simple yes or no. Join me, Danielle McLaughlin, when we talk about how freedoms collide on Know Your Rights. Danielle, this is one of those subjects that when I heard on the news last week, it, I I absolutely had no idea how to react. Um, and unfortunately, I, I, I wasn't as surprised for some reason because I think we've had so much outcry from this, that, the other thing. And people giving opinion and people saying we're being treated like this. People trying to make all sorts of someone's controlling me. But we had the epitome here in efforts to push a viewpoint, a ideal uh, on someone. Um, Last week, it was revealed that a Canadian veteran suffering from PTSD and a traumatic brain injury sought assistance from Veterans Affairs. He was offered medical assistance in dying even though he did not ask for it. Uh, First, let's start with what is medical assistance in dying, and welcome back to the program. Thank you, and hello to you and and Brock. I have to say I agree. You know, somehow I wasn't shocked, but I was very deeply disappointed when I heard this. Very disturbed. Um, Medical assistance in dying is a... uh, a term that describes a particular protocol whereby an individual who is suffering um, an an impossible situation and uh, it does not yet include um, mental illness. It it will next year in in, uh, March, they will add mental illness to to the category, but it currently does not. Um, That that person may request uh, if they are a, a, an adult over the age of 18 and have capacity to make a decision on their own behalf, they may request a assistance in dying, which can either be in uh, 
the form of a doctor or nurse practitioner administering a lethal substance or prescribing a lethal substance that the person can choose to administer to himself or herself. Um, And in order to get access to this, the person has to uh, affirm that this is actually what they want. It has to be witnessed by another person who has no um, who has no benefit that they can gain from it. In other words, you know, if, if you're about to uh, in, inherit money from from grandma and talking her into medical assistance and dying right, is right. not on, can't do it. Right? That's that's not okay. It is also available only to people who themselves seek it. So if somebody says, "I think you ought to," that is not the way it works. So if if it can be you know, if it appears that somebody is being um, uh, tr- convinced that they should be doing this, then they sh- it, they become ineligible. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it, it has to be completely independently sought. You know, when I heard this, and, and this is one of the milder things I can think of, is it, it really occurs to me that people living with disabilities often suffer from other people's um, lack of imagination or failure of imagination. I think that everyone I know with a disability has had somebody, uh, some, pardon the expression, some total idiot, say to them, I can't imagine living the way you live. Or if if I had to live the way you live, I don't think I could do it. Or, oh, it just, you know, your life can't be worth living because of a disability. When I hear that, my, you know, I feel like my hair goes on fire. Um, But it really speaks to the fact that there are people who simply cannot understand that while people live with disabilities, they live full and exciting and wonderful lives. So if somebody like this particular veteran um, goes to seek assistance, that person is looking for medical assistance or in some cases financial assistance that is very hard to come by. The solution to that is not to offer them death. And I think that this is what makes this story so horrifying. But then, so, you know, there you are know, those people, like you just yeah. said, who can't relate in such a way, who place themselves in that position. You've heard it with people say, well, if you knew your child was going to have birth defect, why would you go through dot, dot, dot? Mm-hmm. You, you've heard of people saying, well, that, that person, what quality of life can they have? That family still had that child and growing. Why didn't they dot, dot, dot? It, exactly. The thoughts, the openness, and, and it's almost people who they can't hold themselves back from actually saying these things. And this is what it sounds like here. Somebody just can't hold themselves back, whether they're fr- literally, oh, I don't want to hear you say anything about that, whether they, I think it's really the best thing. Why? What would make uh, you think that? And I, and I don't really know if I could ever imagine what would make someone think that they were in that position to be part of the conversation and roll that out there as an idea. You know, a- apart from absolute ignorance, um, you know, which... I credit many people having um, whoever made this suggestion. And I, I understand that there is an investigation now into how this came well, about. You have to, I, so because they could also just be someone with enough. Just, uh, yeah. I, I, you know, problems of their own. Yeah. Um, yeah. Who, whatever has a perverse sense of this is justice or right or well, not justice, but what the way it should be and, and viewpoint. 
Well, I think that, that, you know, the ableist point of view is often that, um, you know, like the people who have stopped some of my friends and said to them, I'm going to pray for you. When you think, why? I'm, I'm, I'm perfectly fine. Thanks very much. Leave me alone. I didn't ask you to do that. I think that I didn't ask you to do that or I didn't ask for your advice in this fashion is really the answer to, to this. You know, we know that people who live with disabilities who uh, attempt to get um, some kind of social assistance are not getting enough to live on. I mean, the, the, it was particularly we know in Ontario that the um, the the amount of money that that is available to people living with disabilities is approximately half yeah. what they need to, to huge conversation lately. It, a huge conversation, and it's terrible. And I can well imagine somebody who is really suffering from an ailment, whether it be PTSD, a brain injury, whatever, who simply doesn't ha- have the capacity to put together all the things that they need and goes to seek assistance saying, you know, can you give me some assistance in getting the things that I need in order t- to lead the life that I want to lead? Um the answer to that is, gee, things must be tough for you. I guess you don't want to live like this anymore. Um, to me, is is absolute nonsense. Apart from the fact that it's deeply insulting, it is you know it is that kind of ableist view that the only kind of life worth living is my kind of life, right? I have to say, you know, if 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 I'm a person who is you know temporarily able bodied, then I think this is the right way to live. Uh, is an ableist point of view and really does not help anybody. Um, you know, if if you have a modicum of imagination, the people say, you know, can you put yourself in someone's shoes or in, in someone else's wheelchair or in someone else's, you know, living situation and, and imagine not just how difficult it is, but how positive it is, you know, how how well that person is is doing. Um, I think that that's something that the ableist uh, society fails to do. We, we, you know, we're we're often told, you know, you, you know, the blind for a day or in a wheelchair for a day kinds of um, experiments that that people are encouraged to try so that you can see what it's like to live as as a person with with a disability. Uh, those things make me a little nuts because I don't think that that tells you anything other than than this is a game that I'm playing today, you know. Um, And I think that that kind of mindset is something that should really be interviewed for when we hire people in the situation that this person, whoever he or she was, who offered medical assistance in dying uh, to this Canadian veteran. Um, Medical assistance in dying should only be discussed by the individual who is seeking it, if in fact they are they are seeking it, um, with their physician and with their family and, and closest friends. It's not something that a government agency should even bring up. It's, you know, this is, it's just the inappropriateness of it is awe-inspiring actually. So, you know, we know that the disability community was uh, very disturbed when medical assistance in dying became lawful, that uh, many people who had followed the issue of the Latimer case, for example, um, 
Tracy Latimer was a 12-year-old girl whose father um, killed her because he felt that her suffering was it was intolerable. And she'd gone through many, many procedures, none of which had succeeded in, in ending her suffering. And she had right. multiple disabilities. Um, and the, you know, Canada really got into the discussion at that time about whether what he did was lawful, whether it was moral, whether it, it should be, whether he should have been punished um, for what he did, whether he should have been, uh, you know, they should have just not bothered to prosecute him because he did it out of love for his child. Um, you know, these these discussions will go on forever. But because of all of the things that happened there, um, the medical assistance in dying laws were passed. And I think what they basically said is, you know, this is a matter to be discussed by an individual who is competent and is able to make choices for himself or for herself. So that clearly would have ruled out a 12-year-old child, you know, who had these multiple disabilities that that uh, Tracy had. So, you know, what Robert Latimer did has not become legal and will not become legal. And should um, not. And may we add that, should not become yeah. legal. Um, you know, if we say that there may have been extenuating circumstances and it should have been, you know, that should have been brought into court, that's a different argument. That That's a, that's a different story. But, you know, there are people who are saying that people who live with disabilities are being um, told about MAID, whether they're being actually actively offered it or whether they themselves are seeking it. It, is, it has become part of the discussion since the, the income disparities are so massive and people are saying, I just cannot continue living without being able to afford a roof over my head or food to eat or the assistance that, that I require in order to make it through a day. Um, it's, in my view, not just sad, but, but terrifyingly wrong that dying becomes part of that conversation. You know, it, it is, if somebody were to say to the governments in power, you need to ensure that everybody in Canada, either living with a disability or not living with a disability, has a minimum income that they can rely upon. Um, and then we will look at the issue of medical assistance in dying when it has to do with intolerable suffering, not financial suffering, but physical or in some cases emotional or mental suffering. And then it becomes a conversation. It doesn't right. become... An absolute, yes, you get to, you know, this is what you get to do. Who do you have that conversation with? Obviously, your practitioner, like, I, I don't know yeah. the key, uh, the people. And, and again, I'm assuming someone has a circumstance where they probably have a team of doctors, uh, yeah. you know, that, that could weigh in. Well, yeah. And I think that people who I know of who have uh, got access to medical assistance and dying have had this conversation with their physicians in some cases, nurse practitioners, or in, in some cases, in that team would be a pharmacist. Um, you know, people who, who can get access to the kinds of uh, drugs that might be required in, in these circumstances. Um, 
and of course with their family members, uh, you know, and people close to them. Um, I would suspect that in many cases, um, their family members will have a very good idea leading up to this, whether this is a good idea or not a good idea. You know, they've, if, if you live with somebody who has been suffering intolerably for a long time, mm-hmm. uh, you will know that. Uh, if it's just a whim, if somebody is suffering a temporary setback or is having a really rough time, that should not uh, trigger medical assistance in dying. Uh, they did remove recently the requirement for somebody to be at end of life uh, in order to get access to medical assistance in dying. And some people have said, well, that's a good thing because you can be suffering in, you know, terribly, even though your death may not be foreseeable. Um, and other people have said, well, then they should be seeking other uh, remedies to help deal with the pain. So this case uh, has really brought up a whole basket of questions. In my view, we need to really take a close look at what ableism is doing or can be doing to the disabled community and start changing the mindset. Start talking about the positive things that people who live with disabilities love, enjoy, and it isn't those horrible sandwiches with pulled pork and donuts. I gotta yeah. tell you, that uh, sounds yeah. disgusting. That'll put you in some position. Danielle, of course, thank you kindly um, for talking to us, sharing and, and giving us things, of course, as usual, to walk away and think about. That was Danielle McLaughlin, our Know Your Rights contributor, and we were talking about MID and disabilities. Coming up in just a moment, Brock and I will take a look at what's coming up on Now with Dave Brown. We'll give you a sneak peek at our program and discuss right here on Kelly and Company. Hi, I'm Ramia Amuthan. Join me weekly for AMI Audiobook Review, the podcast that explores new titles, introduces us to famous narrators, and updates what's hot at the Center for Equitable Library Access. Download episodes of AMI Audiobook Review from your favorite podcast provider.